0: Joining me today in the studio is someone that I've been chasing for a long time to introduce to all of you. She's a little bit camera shy, um, but I have to, I'm going to keep drawing out the uh, the announcement of who this is. When I went to go visit this person for my visit down in Texas, someone who truly terrifies me t- Still, still now, like I'm intimidated having this conversation with her. Jesse Kelly, the vice president of sales and marketing at Stylecraft. Jesse, thanks for coming on the program today.
1: Thank you. And you have already messed up because you have just oversold that. I am not uh I don't know why. I don't know why you're saying I'm intimidating you because I've got you fooled if that's the case.
0: Well, that's part of the enjoyment of unpacking the conversation over the next 30 minutes or so. Okay. Yeah. A good salesperson, similar to a good project manager. And I've told this story before, but there is a we did a Habitat for Humanity project where we were supposed to build three homes in like three days. And when everyone showed up to help, it was just chaos. There was material all over the place. No one knew what was going on. And this one project manager showed up and he just exuded confidence, ability. He's muscular, you know, it's just like, I'm ready to go to war, whatever. And everyone on the on the battlefield, so to speak, was like, "This is this is our general, even though he was self-proclaimed. From the sales end of the spectrum, you do all of those, all that same quality of, of how you present yourself, how you carry yourself, the expressions on your face. I mean, we were texting right before we got on as an example, and Jesse was concerned about whether this would be a video podcast or audio only. And I just having fun, I said, you can go full messy bun. And your response, I'm going to read word for word is, you know damn well, I've never been seen at work in a messy bun.
1: Well, it's a fact. It's true. Yeah. And then for the record, I wasn't worried about my hair. I just wanted to make sure I have on a turtleneck today, which those of you listening, I'm in central Texas and it is definitely not quite turtleneck weather. So I'm just, it's wishful thinking that maybe the turtleneck will usher it in, but I just wanted to make sure I didn't have a floating zoom head going on on the... Yeah, no,
0: I, yeah, you, you do keep your weaknesses a secret, but, but also just the aggressive nature and that a lot of people think that sounds bad. You just gave me a dirty look because I said aggressive. That's it wasn't
1: not... dirty. It was a headcock. It was a curious, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious.
0: So you can tell I'm genuinely nervous about this conversation. She, she's a, she's appropriately aggressive, meaning there's times where you go and visit a sales manager or VP of sales and you offer some advice or insight. And they're kind of like, Oh yeah. that. It's my list. Thanks. Thanks for that. And then you're like zoning. Tell me more about that. Like right now. Okay. What do we need to do uh, like tomorrow? H- how can we fix this and make it better? And I think most sales management, sales leadership, they seem like very tired people and I un- understandably so. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just your energy level. And that at any given moment you could decide I'm giving all of my attention and energy to, to solving this problem right now.
1: Okay. Well, to that point, um, I am both excited and nervous about today because, you know, I almost always prefer to be on the other side of uh, speaking engagements. But um, I think that how that comes across is because I'm just very curious. And also, one of the reasons why I'm sort of hesitant to do you know, speaking opportunities is because I still think of myself very much as a student, which mm. is probably you know, how you see that when we do our calls. And I'm, I say, what, what is that? I don't know what that is. Tell me more about that. Cause I want to know, but it, I didn't realize that it came off. But as I, yeah,
0: a, I, don't, I never feel like you want to know just out of, out of passing interest of like, Oh, I haven't heard that. It's like, I want to know. Cause I want to do beep with it. Like I want stuff to happen. Yeah. I don't feel like you're that driven from an action oriented perspective.
1: No, that's true. Yeah. And I guess I could see how sometimes that's a little intense. And yeah. that's not bad. Again, I'm just <laughs>
0: clear aggressiveness in sales right, right now. Side. I think we have a problem with most sales organizations and companies where everyone's become way too passive. Right. So we need some of your aggressive, aggressive thinking. Okay. okay. Give us a quick background on Stylecraft for those who are not familiar with the juggernaut of an organization that that you, you help run.
1: Sure. How yeah, many so- homes,
0: geographic area, what type of product?
1: Yeah. So we've been around for over 30 years, I think closer to 35 now. And when I started in 2013, we were doing about 300 units a year. And now we're going to be almost 1100 and then continue to grow by a few hundred. Yeah. Going forward. So, and we're, uh, I said I was in central Texas, but we actually build kind of all over the the central and Southern part of Texas. So we're you know, Waco, Colleen, Temple, Belton, that whole area. And then we also do the College Station area and then down into North Houston and even down Angleton kind of uh, near the coast as well. Yeah. And and growing.
0: Now, did you start out as a VP of sales and marketing at Stylecraft or what was your evolution? And, and actually maybe before that, did you work for another builder or real estate company prior to joining Stylecraft?
1: No. You also and look like
0: you're only like 27, so you can't.
1: You are so industry. good at guessing age. That is exactly right. <laughs> spot on. No, I didn't. And you had already sort of given me a heads up that we were going to talk a little bit about kind of my story and my career path at stylecraft. And I haven't been asked that for a while. I don't know if you've heard, but we haven't been hiring very many people. And that's typically when somebody asks me about Mm. my story here, because they've been to the website and done research about our company. And they say, Hey, I noticed, you know, how you've progressed in the company. And they always ask me about it. So since we're going to be doing some hiring, you're helping me brush up on this. Okay. No, I had no, it was a total just random kind of fluke that I even got here in the first place. So I uh, had no experience in, uh, you know, building or construction. And my, my dad has been in construction his whole life. So, you know, I had, um, around yeah, it right to draw from, but no, I was a bartender through college. Um, that's how I met my husband. And then we settled in Waco and I worked another position
0: for, where aggressiveness is probably a, a aggressive
1: thing. Yeah, it is sales. Yeah. Anyway. And then, uh, we settled down in Waco and I worked for a few years for a custodian. I just did operations, just kind of, um, helping people move accounts here and there. And they actually decided to move their headquarters up to Ohio, uh, which I did not want to move.
0: More more people should consider moving to Ohio.
1: I I, I knew you were going to say that. Um, uh, My husband is actually from Ohio.
0: Get out Uh, of here.
1: he, He grew up mostly in Texas, but he's from Ironton, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and so when they decided to move their headquarters, I started looking for a job. And this was in 2013, and I just wasn't finding anything and uh <laughs> i mean hey how- you
0: you combine bartending and and custodial work and you get home builder or something far- right okay. so you started so in sales
1: i did yeah so i actually thought i was going to be murdered when i went to the interview because it was a craigslist ad <laughs> yes. that i that i don't think stylecraft even put out i think it was the salesman Who did Uh it on his own because he was trying to find a sales assistant and it was basically like you know an ad that said I need an assistant and it was at this model home out in the middle of nowhere and the day that I went interviewed it was this huge storm there were tornadoes it was crazy and my uh, husband's aunt was in town and she said let me go with you to this interview it sounds sketchy and it did and so she went out there with me (laughs) and I go in and it's just pouring down rain and I go into the interview and it was fine you know I it was a great talk and I got the second interview and I came out and. She was like, oh, great. You know, you didn't get murdered, which she was worried because she, we didn't establish a signal or anything for if I was in trouble in yeah, there. A safe so, word. Yeah, it worked out anyway. And so I had been interviewing at other companies and I went to the second interview at Stylecraft and was offered the position and I took it. And I knew then I knew that there was opportunity then just based off of. Okay, I, I think
0: I know you. what you might mean by that.
1: <laughs> can I take a guess? You, you can. Go so ahead.
0: I, I started fresh out of college. And when you graduate from school, you don't really know how business really works. But I went and interviewed, and I was pretty sure I was the only person who had a college education and presented myself. Like I wore a suit and tied to the interview. I had a portfolio. And I think I just fell into They're like, well, this guy's trying. He's hired. And then the next couple of weeks, a lot of the people I worked with were very good at what they did. But fr- from that, like you could just see the opportunity where a lot of times... You know, younger folks in particular think like I should be the CEO of a company in two years after I work here. But there was the, there was a sense, at least when I started, maybe when you started, where you're like, there is just, there's a lot of organized chaos happening here. And it just seems like there's a lot of room for to, to make things better and to do your part to make things better.
1: Right. Well, and what you just said was kind of what I saw. The, the salesperson who was there had been selling for his whole life. I mean, he was much older than me and he had very specific ideas about how things should be done. Are you
0: saying he didn't use a CRM system?
1: Oh, no, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, I think I was the first person in that area to to start using Lasso, actually. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, but so I just saw how I could help him. And then just in talking to the other people through the interview process, I could just tell there was a place for me. And I actually got offered a, a different sales position at another company two days after starting to work at Stylecraft for way more money. And I uh, gave them an, an, an enthusiastic no, thank you. And I'm glad I did. So it worked wow. out.
0: So, yeah. so I'm imagining you were successful at selling homes. Uh, do you remember your best year? Because, you know, I, no one likes to brag. But if I ask you, you're not bragging, you're just telling. Yeah.
1: Well, I didn't do it for very long. So I was an oh. assistant for six months and then a new community opened and they gave me an opportunity there. And so I only sold for about two years. And the first year wasn't a full year of selling. And then no. so the second year, um, I think we did like 35 that year, which yeah. back then I was, you know, I was really excited about that then.
0: So mo- most most new home communities are planned on two sales per type of home being sold. So if there's multiple products, and it might be more, but I mean, anything over two is still a great, a great job.
1: Yeah. I was loving it. I wasn't unhappy in any way. Um, I remember my husband, actually a couple of funny things through that was he, he told me, cause every day I was just so excited. I just loved it. I was like, why, why are they paying me this much to do this? It's so fun. I love it. Every bit of it. Um, and I remember him saying I was addicted to the sale. Mm. I was like, well, I'm addicted to whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever this is, I'm in. I love it. And I had told um about a year in of working there, I'd told our the current manager that I had that I, I said, is there, you know, a manager in training program? I would love, you know, to be working towards that I made it very clear there wasn't anything like that at the time. But when an opportunity um came available, I was all over it. So
0: So you didn't have to be convinced to leave the commissions behind and enter management.
1: No, it was definitely a conversation that I had with my husband, but he knew that I ultimately wanted to continue to grow. And, you know, I wanted to be with Starcraft as long as they'll have me. And I wanted to just take it in our department. At least I wanted to, you know, I just felt like I had a lot to contribute. I felt like I understood what we were doing and I just, I wanted to help in any way I could. And so he was like, you know, you never expected that money in the first place. And so you know, if you need to take a little bit of a, cause everybody in our industry knows you, you could be in a position where you take a little bit of a financial hit when you make that transition. Yeah. And I did, I did. And I, I remember talking to uh, my boss about it too. And to me, it was worth it. Just like it was worth it to take the assistant position and in and, and make a little bit less for the opportunity of selling. All right, I'm
0: going to, I'm going to dive into that a little bit deeper with you then. So initially it, it, and maybe overall it felt worth it, but was there ever a time early in your management career where you were like, for this 30 minutes, I'm not really sure if this is worth it. And what you don't have to give names or but but tell us no, that I'll of what tell that is,
1: yeah. And I don't even know if I've ever told you this story, but um everybody on my team knows. But I think to date, this is probably the most important thing that my boss, Doug French, did for me. And it was so. <laughs> Again, you said, don't name any names. Whenever I was promoted to manager, you called it controlled chaos earlier. It was, we were in a state of chaos. There was, um, (laughs) there just, well, we just didn't have, you know, all of the established processes that we really needed. And people just didn't really know where to locate information. It was just, I can't function in that environment. So, and then there were some staffing type things too. And so I was just trying to figure all of that out. And I'll, I'll write my love letter to Myers Barnes here in a few minutes, I'm sure, but he was was our coach um, at that time. And, you know, he was helping me through all of that. And I just got totally overwhelmed two months in, I was just like, why am I doing this? Everybody hates me. This is so hard. I, I don't have enough of me to go around because it was a huge area and there was a lot of us and. I just felt like I thought for a moment that I'd made a mistake and I wasn't really going to enjoy it. And I was worried I wasn't going to do a good job. I was Mm -hmm. worried that, you know, I kind of went out over my skis a bit. And so I went into Doug's office and I was like, you know what? Not for me. I'm going to go sell. I love Mm. that. I'm good at that. And he, I wish people could see me on video right now because he just kind of sat there and was like, well, we're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I... I kind of just I I didn't really know what to say, but I trust him, you know, just as much as I can say. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna go back (laughs) and figure it out. I don't know. But he just didn't even entertain it. And I think that's the best thing for him to do. There wasn't even much of a conversation.
0: Yeah, he didn't he didn't solve something for you. He just said, get back in the game, Jesse.
1: he knew I was having a moment <laughs> and it was like, you got it, just go. And, and I went back and figured it out. And that was one of the biggest lessons was, you know, bad days are one thing, but it is challenging, but it's extremely rewarding and you will get through it. Stop trying to be perfect. Don't worry about if anybody's out there thinking about going into leadership or is maybe new to leadership, stop worrying about being perfect because you're not going to be.
0: Yeah. I can't tell you the number of people who thankfully have been promoted over the last year and a half as you know, the pandemic and just things change for so many people there, there was an older guard of leadership or new opportunities created by company growth that a lot of people that we interact with have had the opportunity to grow in their career. And the, the, the sheer terror, it really is terror that they have about what's going to happen or what could happen if things don't go well. And all these expectations are being placed on me. And I, I've, I've had enough where I boiled it down the conversation to basically saying, no one's going to die. And, and this is your opportunity for growth. So, and Myers actually, we can, we can have this moment together when, when NVR purchased Heartland at first, everyone in the company was like through most acquisitions. So it's not NVR specific, um, was just, man, this is, this is terrible news. You know, we, we are no longer us and we're part of this bigger thing. And, and people were immediately calling me saying, Hey, come, come run this well-known CRM company or go do this other thing or come work with this, um, training organization. And Myers looked at me and he goes, dude, when the burn, when the house is on fire, you run into it in a professional setting. Because if you run into a house that's in fire in real life, you could die or other people could die. But in a, in a business setting, the worst thing that's going to happen is you don't succeed, but you are in control of the narrative of that. And that's one thing that Myers is actually a, a master at that. I don't think people understand fully is the master of the internal narrative and the external narrative around a situation. And so even if you run into the, the challenge of this building on fire opportunity, if it falls down and burns around you, you're still alive and you have the narrative of, I didn't give up. I went into this and I did my best and here's the lessons I learned from it. And that's the worst thing that can happen. And also right now, uh, the word on the street is people are looking for good people everywhere. I mean, target Stylecraft, Do you convert? We all want more better people on our team. So this is not just generally true, Jesse, I think for the next year or two in in particular, it's especially true of you should take that leap. You should give it a shot.
1: Right? No, I agree. So I still have days, right? Every once in a while, we all have our days, but then I remember going into Doug's office and we're not going to do that. So just go to sleep, get up. Be better. Yeah. So, so
0: l- let's um let's jump to your Myers Barnes uh love letter since I
1: well and I kind of already went past it in kind of talking about my career path at Stylecraft. But so I met Myers as a sales assistant a few weeks into because he was Stylecraft sales consultant for a decade. And so I went to uh, one of his trainings alongside the salesperson that I was working with. And um he was teaching his sales process, which I had never been taught a sales process. This was all very foreign <laughs> to me. And um Anyway, he was talking about all these things. And one of the things he was talking about was he was comparing compensations of different types of um, industries and positions. So there was like, you know, physicians and attorneys and new home salespeople. And they were all in this very similar bracket of compensation. And I was, you know, pulling a face in the front row because I was very skeptical of that. I Mm -hmm. was like, okay. Um, And he saw it and he called me out and um, he was like, you don't think you can do that? you know, and he kind of picked on me a little bit, but he, he definitely saw that I was skeptical and wanted to make sure that I understood what it, what the deal was. And he kind of caught me there. He kind of, I, he had me right there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, he was doing the, you know, the meet and greet qualified present overview, no right. and he was doing the, the sales process and he asked somebody to recite it. And I had been scribbling, you know, just acronyms, trying to figure out how to remember this. And I came up with one. And when he, when he said somebody recited, I was like, you know, and I recited and he gave me 20 bucks and a crisp high five. And I was like, all right, you're my guy. <laughs> um, and Randy French, our founder was there. Um, and he remembers that's one of his favorite stories to tell about me, but, um, just this nerd in the front row, like I know it anyway. And then he basically coached me from then until now. And he, as a sales assistant coached me on, you know, how to learn the, how to sell and how to do all of that stuff. And then as a sales person. He was with me. And then as a manager, he definitely vouched for me when Doug took a chance on me to be promoted to manager. Mm -hmm. And now it's different because he was, you know, a coach in an official capacity of mine at Stylecraft and a mentor all along the way. And now it's kind of shifted into, you know, because he's not doing exactly that anymore. So he's just much more of a a friend. Um, And he's just, I can't say enough about it. I wouldn't be here if he wasn't part of the story. I would not be where I am. I'm forever indebted to him. I can't say enough good about him.
0: So. so from a regional sales manager then to VP of sales and marketing, when Doug, I'm guessing, came to you and said, Hey, marketing, or did you approach Doug and say, Hey, marketing, we need to help your or I think I can add value, or talk talk to me about how that
1: so the, even that kind of was a little bit off because as a manager, our our director of marketing, Beth Russell, who you know very well, she so oh, yeah. Beth. Beth started um, with Stylecroft as a sales executive with me. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear a funny story about her interview, I can tell you that. But so then she was, she sold for us. And then while I was still a manager, we had a different VP that was our, our big boss. And it kind of happened at the same time where in the background, management was talking about, we really need somebody specific to manage marketing. We had a third party that was helping us, and then we had an online salesperson who's been with us forever, uh, Tanner Brewster, who was also doing some of those tasks. And we would just grown to the point where we really need somebody to manage it. And then at the same time, Beth comes to me and she's married to um, a military guy and he was about to be deployed. And she was like, I'm not gonna be able to work weekends. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And so I was like, well, and Beth had been doing marketing stuff for Stylecraft just as a sales executive. She'd been doing some things for us because she has a background in it. And so I went to my VP at the time and um, my boss, Doug French and told him, hey, let's make this work. And so we ended up putting her through the interview process and she got it. And so Beth and I were both managers for about two months. And then there was an opportunity for the vice president position, which I had already made clear the year prior um, that that was my goal. And so it just kind of worked out that that's how it was.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I remember being I think that was right around as we started working with you in 2017, fall, late summer of 2017, I think. Right. And I remember everyone like, Hey, this Beth girl seems really good, but everyone was concerned that she hadn't done it a long time. And and I think what's awesome about, again, we will come up with a better term before the end of this, but I still like the word aggressive. Okay. <laughs> if it wasn't for your aggressiveness, around the opportunities to be had and the goals you wanted to achieve. I don't think that would have rubbed off on Beth naturally to say, I'm going to grab this position and make it mine. That's just not as much Beth's personality. She's uh, she's more of a perfectionist, more of a methodical thinker. And, um, and so I remember, you know, talking to her and I was like, do you want this job? Cause I, like you were in sales and I, sometimes people fall into marketing and they don't love it. She's like, no, I want it, but I just don't feel like this position's really mine. Like, I don't have a voice. I don't have the ability to kind of own the role. And I was like, well, take it. And she was kind of like, okay, so we, we came up with this, this plan for the next uh, leadership meeting where she was going to kind of present, here are my goals. Here's what I want to accomplish and start owning it. And I I only take partial credit for that. I think a lot of it was her confidence in kind of um, running in your wake, so to speak, on that of like, Je- Jesse's assuming this role of VP of sales and marketing. And just like you have trust in Doug, she has immense trust in you. Right. And if Jesse says I can do it and I've got, you know, um, Kevin and, and DYC team to support me, this, this can happen. And I thought that was, a, will definitely remember those interactions for, for a long time. It was fun to watch. Yeah. That
1: seems like a really long time ago. It, it does like-
0: seem like a really long time ago.
1: Yeah, I forget how long um, some of my team, we've been together. I was thinking about that before we got started today. But Beth is, all, I mean, as soon as I became, you know, vice president of sales and marketing, which i had only been doing sales, we were, it was synonymous, you know, it was, Beth was marketing.
0: Do you so. remember roughly how many homes a year were being sold when you took that position in 2017? Rough guess.
1: I want to say like 700-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember the first month when you said, I want to sell hundred homes in a month. I think that'd be cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Now we're, <laughs> now so we're that's living. cute. Uh, yeah. If you remember, I think Beth on her episode of the podcast, we'll link that in the show notes talked about, um, or maybe she just talked about it at the summit, but the, like when you guys accidentally sold an extra hundred homes in like a week and a half at the end of a month, uh, that's, that's another story. Let's talk about kind of how now that you're the VP of sales and marketing, you've had it under your, under your belt for a couple of years. And then you go into the pandemic uh, scenario. Talk to me yeah. a little bit about... Because uh, I think one of the unique things that's that's echoing in this conversation is trust. And there's a lot of people who had a lot harder time, especially early on, figuring out what the heck is going on and where should we go mm-hmm. than your team did. And I have a hunch it's because of that, that T word that keeps coming up of trust between uh, leadership and and sales and marketing in particular. Um, yeah. But, but, but well, kind of when, when that, when all the, when all that started to go down in, in 2020, what was kind of your, as the VP of, of it all, what was, what was flowing through your mind?
1: Well, I was the one at the very beginning saying, this is not gonna, this isn't a thing. Everybody's, you know, hyping this up. And I distinctly, I was pregnant. I think I was like three months pregnant by then. And I remember in March, right before everything got uh, shut down for us having a birthday dinner with our best friend and everybody jokingly bumping elbows, you know, like, Oh, we're not supposed to be shaking hands or hugging anymore. And then the very next week I got sent home and banished from the office until <laughs> Claire was born. And so I was in isolation, but we moved very quickly. You know, I think by the end of March, we were model homes were closed. We were doing, uh, we we're running everything through online sales. So they were working you know, way in hyperdrive, obviously Beth too. And we'd moved everything to like virtual appointments and trying to do videos and all that stuff. And we already had, you know, tools in place because we did some of that. You know, we have um, a pretty big military market where we do a lot of virtual mm-hmm. appointments and things like that. And so we just took those things and, you know, amplified them. Yeah. So Yeah, ever- I
0: remember even Beth was working on a a. Um, make an make an offer or make a bid um, yeah, functionality nice. to the website. Originally in 2019, oh, simply yeah. simply because there were times where you would have an inventory home, and, and the thought was at the time, hey, if an inventory home gets past 120 days old, yeah, just to help us with price discovery. Not that we're going to sell it, but it might right. give us feedback to say this is what someone's willing to offer. Right, and and so you've always been progressive, but I, I guess what I'm most curious about is. When something new uh, gets, gets thought of, or you know that a change needs to happen because you guys seem to, I I know you're not going to give yourself enough credit. You seem to manage change pretty well. How much of that flows through conversations versus someone on the team saying, this is how we're going to do it. How much specific so to back up a little bit, it's really about sales and marketing in particular, how, how those two Uh, groups communicate. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's one side dictating to the other, this is what must happen or, or kind of like a, here's the recipe, but you can go make it, but it's my, it's my dang recipe that you're going to make, go do that. How collaborative, talk to us just about how those conversations look abstractly.
1: Yeah. So it is in a very extremely rare case that there is a direction given without a conversation first. It is extremely rare that you know, my boss or I would say, out of nowhere, this is what we're doing, go do it. And and
0: why do you think that is? It's just habit? Or um, what is the conversation allowing to happen?
1: Sure. Are you familiar with traction?
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Very popular book among builders.
1: Right. So we operate under the traction kind of guidelines. And so we each department has a level 10 meeting every week. And so on Mondays, our executive team meets and All the issues are put on the list. We talk about them. Then I turn around the next day and I have my level 10 with my team, which is all four of my sales managers, Beth, the director of marketing, and our sales administrator. And it is very much so a collaborative effort. And so at at this point, we put the issue on the list, they bring the issues. And so during that time, obviously it was only about that. And we they talk about it. And then if I need to jump in and redirect or kind of be a tiebreaker, I do, but our ideas are bred out of the group discussion and then you know that Beth does this but even my managers do as well watching what other build, we're asking you guys constantly what are other people doing um you know we we tried every opportunity to kind of tap into our peers and just not that we're going to do that but try to spark some some kind of creativity but it's definitely it's a collaborative effort and it's um the so sales and marketing is not separate here is my point it's very Mm -hmm. much so
0: we're we're all one team. Yeah, and traction. uh, The title of the book is Traction: Get a Grip on Your Business by Gino Wickman. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll let's try to put a link in the show notes to that. But that that I think I first heard about that book probably in twenty fifteen or sixteen from um, a gentleman named Landon Hoover, uh, who who is the um, president at the time of Hart, Hartford Homes in Northern Colorado. And since then, I feel like it's taken over the builder world. Very very popular book. Yeah. So as the, as the head of that single function of sales and marketing, do you feel like your way of thinking leans more towards your sales background? And and maybe that's part of why the conversation, like you, you're, I guess the word is happy to let the conversation happen in front of you so that you're, you're seeing all aspects of a potential decision.
1: Yeah. So I definitely lean more on the sales side. Um, That is where my um, knowledge and experience for the most part is. And I remember um, Myers has a, you know, uh, he did a lot of, you know, marketing kind of training with me, but his thing was, you don't have to be that. You don't have to be the one doing that. You just need to understand enough about it to lead and be part of the conversation and be able to help make all those decisions. And that's how I do it. And the only way that I can do that is by having someone like Beth Russell, who I trust implicitly and who is, you know, I mean, her name is mentioned all over the place in her industry. She shows up at all these conferences. And
0: And she gets stuff done. Again, she's bent towards action. She does not, she will think and, and pontificate and strategize, but she also loves getting stuff done. I think that's the danger point that I see in most VP of sales and marketing who come from a sales background is imagine if the person we didn't name, but who you started your sales career with, who didn't use a CRM and was definitely using old school methods was the VP of sales and marketing. And in that, in that sphere, uh, yeah, it is, it is scary in that, in that sphere of his own personal experience, he'd be like, no, no, this is how we get stuff sold. So marketing, you you know, just just get me those people from the billboards uh that come in who want to give me the check. And we we don't need a CRM. We don't need all this other stuff. And that that's just it's it's incredibly important to understand um that there are two different ways of thinking. Neither is right or wrong. They have to combine together. But whichever background you, if you're if your background's primarily in marketing and your VP of sales and marketing, that's where I found myself at. I was, I had um sold a home and had taken like 10 design studio appointments. And, um, and I was the VP of sales and marketing from a primarily marketing background. And so what I knew was, is that I could understand and build processes to support the leader's success and help them cover their own blind spots. But I could not, I couldn't tell them, this is how we're going to sell a home now. That, that wasn't, but I could still be in that position and still be impactful in that position, right? having a certain way of thinking.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the relationship we have. And um, Beth and I are in constant communication. And so that is a daily either phone call, emails, texts, all of the above, um, sending me videos with ideas, (laughs) bouncing that back and forth. But um, she's also, she has a different perspective because she did sell with Stylecraft. And so she very much so understands that side of things. And all of our managers understand that even though they're not marketers they still have something to contribute to that conversation. So our meetings are, you know, it's interesting to see because Beth is very open to the different ideas and my sales managers are very forthcoming with their ideas. And, you know, um, even though sometimes what Beth suggests isn't what we do, she's totally okay with that. Um, and, you know, um, during this whole pandemic and then the, you know, materials spiking and all that, there were a few times where we had to say, Hey, we were doing this and we're going to do something completely different. And I need you to do it right now. So there were a couple of times it happens very, very rarely, but there were a a couple of times and you, you know, knowing Beth, she very much so wants a a plan that we have discussed Mm -hmm. and agreed upon and then it's scheduled and all that. And so she definitely, um, but
0: at the end of the day, the trust is there where uh, if there's not time to question and plan and strategize and you just got to move, everyone's has that trust together. Right. Last last couple of things I want to talk around are the areas of the company that, sh- that you don't necessarily lead but are involved in. Because another thing that I spend a lot of time thinking about how we can do better at an industry is getting more um, really good sales and marketing minded people in leadership positions who, who understand both sides of it. And so just, let's go down a quick list of, of and again, not, we don't have to talk about how, how much time you dedicate, but are you involved in product, design, floor plan, feedback. Talk to me.
1: I am. Yeah. So we have, um, we have a, I don't want to, it's not really a committee, but we have a a group that is led by our pre-construction department and both Beth and I are actually um, part of that group. And so it involves, um, you know, reviewing current plans and making changes and then developing new plans and then options and things like that.
0: Got it. How about pricing of, whether it's inventory and and we might have to say pre pandemic post pandemic because pricing has been a different uh, animal in the pandemic worlds, but in terms of value proposition slash pricing or positioning of of your communities in comparison to either the market or or other home builders as competition. Um,
1: yeah, so I actually recently took uh, pricing over. So, uh, it is something that I assisted with. It is something where I did it, you know, on occasion, but Doug was ultimately responsible for it. And I, um, recently kind of took that over and he's still still looking at it. Right. He's still making sure that he agrees yeah. with what I'm doing, but, um, I'm doing that now.
0: I, I feel like I have to preface this just cause I know Jesse likes to win. If you say no to any of these things, it's not like, uh, there's going to be a, a-
1: what penalty That's, will there
0: that, be? Yeah, <laughs> this is not squid game. Uh, <laughs> but how about land um, land acquisition or, or due diligence on land opportunities?
1: Yeah. So um, our uh, development manager actually brings um, areas of interest to our entire executive team. And we get an opportunity to talk about it, ask questions, go away, do some research, come back and say yes or no.
0: Okay. So... Just for the sake of time, what aspect of the business do you feel like you are not involved in whatsoever? Accounting. Hey, that's a
1: that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'm actually um, I just asked our CFO if he could carve out an hour a month to kind of review financial statements and things like that with me because I am very very curious.
0: Yeah, well, and that's um, we, we. Well, I'll edit this out if you if you tell me to, but but I'm definitely on the bandwagon of Jesse for president. <laughs> Um, whether that's of a division of the company, whatever, but look out, Doug. Um, well, well,
1: so everyone doesn't know, but this is the start of the campaign. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Saying. Officially. This is a, This is it. Doug, Doug's going to, he's going to love it. He's going to love when he hears this. And I know, I know your, your chairman is, is Miss Russell as well. So that's, it's. Yeah. It's the official piece there. I, I think that's such a key element of too many times, again, sales is relegated as the department who's given the thing to to just go close a deal on. Uh, and marketing's job is just make this palatable enough for other people to show interest or be interested in it. And that's not, it, it needs to, to over time become more comprehensive in its involvement in the organization to really move the needle. I agree. All right. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to end it. Jesse Kelly, we will link to her um, LinkedIn profile, which she said she needs to spend more time on. So hit her up there, connect with her. Um truly one of my favorite people in the business. And um, I, I am still scared of you, but that's, we're going to work on that. <laughs> Sca- scared is too strong. I I think, okay, let's, uh, this is good. We're coming all the way back t- at the end. Uh-huh. What it is, is as someone whose job is to help people improve and to give them ideas and suggestions for improvement, the terror comes from when you work with someone who will quickly take those suggestions and move on them. It It makes you double think every, cause like, I don't, I don't want to just casually throw something out because it's going it, to, it's going to get grabbed. It's like, yeah. sh- should this be said or not? And so it, it keeps me on my toes in, in the best way possible.
1: Yep. Be intentional with your words because I will take them seriously.
0: That's right. All right. Thanks, Jesse.
1: Okay. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Bye.